This is day 134 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Ecclesiastes chapters 7 through 11. Lord Heavenly Father, please humble our hearts today as we receive your word. We know, Lord, that there is life and wisdom and power in these words, that they are your divine word that will last forever. All of it will come to pass, and all of it is beneficial for us and written for our instruction. May we recognize that, Lord. May we see it for what it really is today, that these aren't just religious practices. This is not just empty ritual, but Lord, this is something that you've called us to. Make this real for us, Lord. Make this as real as life itself and how much we need this. Please bless the reading of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. A good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for one to listen to the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool, and this too is futility. For oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not say, Why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. Wisdom, along with an inheritance, is good, and an advantage to those who see the sun. For wisdom is protection, just as money is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. Consider the work of God, for who is able to straighten what he has bent? In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. I have seen everything during my lifetime of futility. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his wickedness. Do not be excessively righteous, and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? Do not be excessively wicked, and do not be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you grasp one thing, and also not let go of the other. For the one who fears God comes forth with both of them. Wisdom strengthens a wise man, more than ten rulers who are in a city. Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good 
and who never sins. Also, do not take seriously all words which are spoken, so that you will not hear your servant cursing you. For you also have realized that you likewise have many times cursed others. I tested all this with wisdom, and I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. What has been is remote and exceedingly mysterious. Who can discover it? I directed my mind to know, to investigate, and to seek wisdom and an explanation, and to know the evil of folly and the foolishness of madness. And I discovered more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are chains. One who is pleasing to God will escape from her, but the sinner will be captured by her. Behold, I have discovered this, says the preacher, adding one thing to another to find an explanation, which I am still seeking, but have not found. I have found one man among a thousand, but I have not found a woman among all these. Behold, I have found only this, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many devices. Who is like the wise man, and who knows the interpretation of a matter? A man's wisdom illumines him and causes his stern face to beam. I say, keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave him. Do not join in an evil manner, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble, for a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every delight, though a man's trouble is heavy upon him. If no one knows what will happen, who can tell him when it will happen? No man has authority to restrain the wind with the wind or authority over the day of death. And there is no discharge in the time of war, and evil will not deliver those who practice it. All this I have seen and applied my mind to every deed that has been done under the sun, wherein a man has exercised authority over another man to his hurt. So then, I have seen the wicked buried, those who used to go in and out from the holy place, and they are soon forgotten in the city where they did thus. This, too, is futility. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still, I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear Him openly. For it will not be well for the evil man, and he will not lengthen his days like a shadow, because he does not fear God. There is futility which is done on the earth, that is, there is righteous men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. On the other hand, there are evil men 
to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I say that this too is futility. So I commanded pleasure, for there is nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat and to drink and to be merry, and this will stand by him in his toils throughout the days of his life, which God has given him under the sun. When I gave my heart to know wisdom and to see the task which has been done on the earth, even though one should never sleep day or night, and I saw every work of God, I concluded that man cannot discover the work which has been done under the sun. Even though man should seek laboriously, he will not discover. And though the wise man should say, I know, he cannot discover. For I have taken all this to my heart, and explained it that righteous men, wise men, and their deeds are in the hand of God. Man does not know whether it will be love or hatred. Anything awaits him. It is the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, for the good, for the clean, and for the unclean. For the man who offers a sacrifice, and for the one who does not sacrifice. As the good man is, so is the sinner. As the swearer is, so is the one who is afraid to swear. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that there is one fate for all men. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Afterwards, they go to the dead. For whoever is joined with all the living, there is hope. Surely a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know they will die, but the dead do not know anything, nor have they any longer a reward, for their memory is forgotten. Indeed, their love, their hate, and their zeal have already perished and they will no longer have a share in all that is done under the sun. Go then, eat your bread in happiness, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life, and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, and the battle is not to the warriors, and neither is bread to the wise, nor wealth to the discerning, nor favor to men of ability, for time and chance overtake them all. Moreover, man does not know his time. Like fish caught in a treacherous net, and birds trapped in a snare, so the sons of men are ensnared at an evil time when it suddenly falls on them. Also, this I came to see as wisdom under the sun, and it impressed me. There was a small city 
with few men in it, and a great king came to it, surrounded it, and constructed large siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. So I said, Wisdom is better than strength. But the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded. The words of the wise, heard in quietness, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink, so a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him toward the left. Even when the fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking, and he demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. If the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position, because composure allays great offenses. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, like an error which goes forth from the ruler. Folly is set in many exalted places, while rich men sit in humble places. I have seen slaves riding on horses, and princes walking like slaves on the land. He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull, and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. If the serpent bites before becoming charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. Words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, while the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of his talking is folly, and the end of it is wicked madness. Yet the fool multiplies words. No man knows what will happen, and who can tell him what will come after him? The toil of a fool so wearies him that he does not even know how to go to a city. Woe to you, O land, whose king is a lad, and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of nobility, and whose princes eat at the appropriate time, for strength and not for drunkenness. Through indolence the rafters sag, and through slackness the house leaks. Men prepare a meal for enjoyment, and wine makes life merry and money is the answer to everything. Furthermore, in your bedchamber, do not curse a king, and in your sleeping rooms, do not curse a rich man, for a bird of the heavens will carry the sound, and the winged creature will make the matter known. Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. Divide your portion to seven, or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth, 
and whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know the path of the wind, and how bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and do not be idle in the evening, for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed, or whether both of them alike will be good. The light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant toward the days of young manhood. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. Okay, so let's examine what Solomon was showing us today. So we start off with chapter 7, which seemed to be a return to the old Proverbs from the book of Proverbs. So it gives more light as to this actually being Solomon. But he gives some here that are interesting He's counseling us on how to live, and more specifically, he's counseling us on the view of man's wickedness, that how much wickedness lies in this world and in our hearts. He's speaking toward our sin nature. It's in our very nature to be this way. So, for example, he says in verse 2, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. So we need to be very careful how we understand these, because if we take them literally, sometimes they don't make sense, and they seem to contradict what the Bible's narrative is. So it's not a convenient interpretation for those skeptics out there that think that the Bible is not necessarily true, this is not a means to try to make it fit in such a way that makes sense. So it's not like we're stretching the truth or anything, but we know that the language of the Bible can sometimes be poetic and metaphorical. So we have to understand what he's properly saying here. So what he's saying here in verse 2 is that it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. A house of mourning, what is that? That is a house that is stricken with tragedy of some kind. So what it does in those days of mourning, when something has happened, something negative has occurred in the household or in someone's life, it causes you to stop and think. We think about the times that we are away from God. And what is it that draws us back to him? Isn't it the harder times? Because so often, we don't run back to God in good times. It's usually when things start getting hard 
that we recognize yet again for the millionth time that we are not in control. We have no power to change our circumstances. But we keep coming back to God because he invites us back, and we know that he is the only one who can accomplish this. So it opens up your heart to reflection and the need to live wisely. And again, we saw that wisdom is the fear of the Lord, obeying God's word. So that kind of situation, being aware of God's wisdom, the need for God's presence in our lives, is better than a house of feasting. Because in our prosperity and in our happiness, so often when things are going really well, we tend to forget about God. Or we convince ourselves that, you know what, Lord? I'm good right now. Go help somebody else that needs help, but I'm good. You can leave me alone for a bit. And that is a trap. Verse 3 is very similar. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. Again, this is to show us God's goodness. It shows us that we have no control over our lives and God's presence in our lives. Our state of being humbled is what allows us to be exalted. God promises that. He promises that if you obey him and you submit to him, he will exalt you. So this is what it's referring to here. Then he has other good pieces of wisdom that are similar to the things we've seen in the book of Proverbs, like verse 9. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Do not be someone who is quick-tempered. Do not be someone who holds a grudge. And this is something that I see so often, especially with ladies for some reason, in the church. Women that hold grudges against people because there is no capacity for forgiveness if you hold grudges. And God clearly says that if you can't forgive others, he won't forgive you. That's a scary thought. We do not want to be identified as people who lack the ability to forgive because that is not compassion. That is not love. It's quite the opposite. We need to be people that do not hold bitterness and anger in our hearts. It is foolishness, according to the Bible. Verses 13 and 14 give the illustration here that God is both a God of prosperity and also a God of adversity. He does both for his sovereign purposes, because God is a God of prosperity. He's a God of peace. He's he's not a God of confusion. He's a God of blessings and love, but he's also a God of adversity. He allows hardships into our lives in order to teach us something. We live in a fallen world to begin with, but he also puts things in our lives to strengthen us, to train us. That we need to be willing to take that instruction. And yet, at the same time, he doesn't reveal how he's going to do it or what the end result is going to be. We just have to trust him through that process. So that's why it says in verse 13, Consider the work of God, for who is able to straighten 
what he has bent. Only he can. In the day of prosperity, be happy. But in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. So he does both. He causes the prosperity and the adversity. So that man will not discover anything that will be after him. God is completely sovereign and we are not. And it should be as simple as that. Verses 16 through 18 remind me of of the overt religiousness of the New Testament, especially when I think of the Pharisees. We don't want to be this. Do not be excessively righteous and do not be overly wise. And it's not talking about being exceedingly in those areas in yourself. What it's talking about is being superficially wise and righteous for appearances. And he says, why should you ruin yourself? Do not be excessively wicked and do not be a fool. Why should you die before your time? So don't be a moron. And yet at the same time, don't be fakely religious. It is good that you grasp one thing and also not let go of the other. For the one who fears God comes forth with both of them. So his counsel to us is that we're to hold fast to both wisdom and to righteousness, because those are the things that characterize a person who loves the Lord, the one who fears him. He's not saying to hold on to foolishness and wisdom. We need to hold on to wisdom and the understanding that foolishness should not be a part of our lives. Chapter 8 is about Solomon's counsel regarding the providence of God, all the things that God does in our lives, all the things he provides us with, his direction for us. And he uses the illustration of a king. And we see that from especially verses 2 through 9, he's pointing out the wisdom of submitting to a king. And we know that the Lord is our king. And we should submit to him, certainly. But there's also wisdom in submitting to your earthly authorities, too. And I know that we have talked about this before as well. The default should be that we obey our earthly authorities, because like it says in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, that all authority is established by God. He has established all rulers and authorities, and we are to submit to them. There is a, an exception to that rule, though. If it reaches the point where they are in violation of God's word and God's commandments for us, then we need to obey God over man. And that needs to be our default. Otherwise, then we live peacefully with the authority we have, whether they are the best authority or not. Either way, God put them there, and we need to respect that. Then near the end of chapter 8, around verse 15 through most of chapter 9, we see Solomon almost like he's summarizing his journey or quest, however you want to call it, of all the discoveries that he has made about the futilities of life and what you should and should not do. And he seems to encapsulate it here. 
So again, he brings up the same thing we talked about last time. I commended pleasure, for there is nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat and drink and be merry, which God has allowed him to do. This will stand by him in his toils throughout the days of his life. So we are supposed to enjoy the fruit of our labors. There is certainly truth in that. We work hard and we play hard. He again, in verse 2 of chapter 9, talks about how there's one fate for the righteous and the one fate for the wicked. We're all going to die. And everything that we do on this earth has some meaning, but at the end, we will not be here to see it. And even darker than that, he's talking about the condition of this world. Like you see in the second half of verse 3, Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their life. Afterwards, they go to the dead. How crazy is that? That is what the world is like as a default without God. When we are born into this world in our sin nature, that is what's in our hearts. That's what we're made of. Evil and insanity. And yet God is the one who rescues us from all that. But then after he mentions that, he gives us a challenge of how we should live. Beginning in verse 7. Go then, eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine from a cheerful heart. For God has already approved your works. He's already decided what you're going to be doing. He's already given you assignments. He's already figured out what your course is going to be throughout your life. And then he tells us how to live godly. Let your clothes be white all the time. Don't take this literally. What he's talking about here is appearances. You need to have the appearance of holiness, the appearance of godliness through our actions, through our conduct. And let not oil be lacking on your head. What does this mean? He's talking about what, anytime they put oil on your head, this was being anointed. And this is a form of consecration, being made pure and holy in the sight of God. And the head is also where your brain is. So, at the same time, we should also be filling our heads with good things, not with junk in this world. So, kind of like what Romans chapter 12 talks about, right? Renewing your mind. We need to be constantly renewing our mind in God's wisdom. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which has been given to you under the sun. So we're talking about how you're supposed to love your wife, especially it mentioned in the Proverbs as well. Love the wife of your youth. So don't just abandon your wife when you get old and try to look for a younger model. Enjoy the woman or the man that you have been given in, in this life and enjoy them. You've gone through a lot together and don't throw that away. There is such depth to that relationship. It's not worth just abandoning that. Verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That reminds me of what it says in the New Testament, right? Whether, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all for the glory of God. That should be our stance on everything we do, because we know that God is constantly watching. 
and if we truly loved him, then we would obey him and we would work hard for him. Love is not just words, it is action, and we show our love for God by obeying him. And then we have chapters 10 and 11, and this continues a series of proverbs again that are trying to illustrate a point on different things. So chapter 10 is mostly about the view of the things in life that are so uncertain. We don't have the foresight of God. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. And so since life is so uncertain sometimes, we have to have faith. We have to trust in the Lord. And he gives some examples of what it looks like to live in a state of foolishness and in a state of wisdom. We need to not take all of this literally, because, for example, like it says in verse 19, Men prepare a meal for enjoyment, and wine makes life merry, and money is the answer to everything. It's not literally the answer to everything, but he's illustrating the point how some people think that. We need to not live in that foolishness. And then in chapter 11, he focuses more on the aging processes of life, what it feels like getting older and older, and how we need to enjoy and wisely use the time that we have on earth, because it is short. Like he challenges us here in verse 6, Sow your seed in the morning, and do not be idle in the evening. It's almost as if we need to follow through with everything that we set our minds to. Don't leave projects half-finished. Don't do half of the activity. Because if it says you sow your seed in the morning and you do not be idle, because eventually you're going to have to reap it. And if you don't do anything at night, you're never going to reap it. So don't waste your time. Don't work hard and do mindless activities and then waste your time and squander everything. Verse 7, the light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. That's referring to God's wisdom, not just seeing the sun in the sky. It's talking about more than that. The light is pleasant. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Indeed, verse 8, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. We need to remember those days of darkness. Not only so that we can learn from our past, but also to recognize how far God has taken us and give him the glory for that. We have not reached this point in our lives by our own doing. God has brought us this far. And we need to worship him appropriately in light of that truth. And lastly, we see verses 9 and 10 where it says, Young men, do whatever you want. Enjoy your young life while you can. Sow those wild oats, as he's saying, but just know that you're going to have to answer for that. Just because you're young and strong and have all this vigor doesn't mean that you should do whatever you want. There will be consequences for that. God will bring you to judgment for all these things, like he says. So what does he do? He reminds us to remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body. Do it when you're young. Make good habits now when you're young. You're a teenager, young adult. This is the time. 
to solidify these things in your life. I was not one of those people. I was a very foolish young man. I did a lot of things I regret. I wasted so much of my youth on empty, vain things. And it profits me nothing today, except that I can look back and say that I learned lessons from it of what not to do, even though the Bible was very clear and my parents told me what not to do. I still did them anyway. But I come from a school of hard knocks where I have to learn the hard way for it to solidify in my head. And I pray that most people are not like me in that regard. Not so stubborn that I have to fall many times before I learn my lesson. Learn the lessons from God now. Listen to your elders from people who've been there and who have made the mistakes for you. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your youth. If I could go back and do things differently, I would. But I'm reaching an older age, and I cannot anymore. But it's not too late for some of you. Listen to wisdom from a young age, and it will serve you well the rest of your life. And that's all I have for today. We have one more chapter of Ecclesiastes to finish up, and then we are going to go into the Song of Solomon. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.